This program is produced using the resources of Public Media Network in Kalamazoo, Michigan. Learn more at publicmedianet.org. Welcome to Connecting Communities, a podcast about highlighting the work and voices of individuals and groups in Kalamazoo who are doing good work, taking action in their communities on environmental issues. Uh, This podcast is available uh, anywhere you listen to your podcast. Please subscribe and share and also watch the video on demand at publicmedianet.org. Today's guest, I'm very excited to introduce Ryan Smith and have you with us today. Um, Ryan is part of Democratic Socialists of America, and he also organizes and takes part in mutual aid for the houseless in Kalamazoo. And that's going to be what we're focusing on today, is talking about how people who are experiencing um, housing problems and difficulties are impacted by the environment Mm -hmm. and some of the work that you're doing. So thanks for being here. Yeah, thank you for having me. Uh, I've been co-chair for Southwest Michigan DSA for about two years. I joined up during the Bernie campaign and it's really been life-changing for me. Uh, I started up our mutual aid group because uh, it was originally a housing working group and you know, we, we were just trying to figure out what we wanted to do. And, you know, mutual aid is something that is desperately needed here, especially in the city of Kalamazoo, since we have uh, so many houseless folk, you know, and I figured it'd be an easy way to get engagement and activity and while also helping people. So, yeah, I just started setting up. Uh, there used to be a encampment uh, that held up to 200 people and I just got a group of people uh, to come on out and feed, and I've been doing it straight for two and a half years, you know, so. How often do you go, do you go out there? Uh, it's every Friday. Um, we used to serve at uh, PFC right after they got rid of uh, the Hotop encampment, uh, and it was a, pu- uh, a food co-op downtown. Uh, they do a lot of good work, but they just couldn't keep us there any longer. So uh, we moved over to North Edward Street right by uh, the drop-in. So it's, it, you know, it took a little bit to get the same amount of people to come by, but uh, we're getting more and more people. I think we serve about 20 at the minimum usually, you know, so uh, yeah, and it's every Friday pretty much. And I just want to, to make sure we don't sell your contribution short here. The food that you serve, how do you, how do you get that and how do you prepare it? So um, I moved in, well, before I moved in with my dad, uh, I would go over to his house and, uh, you know, I was cooking at first, uh, you know, a lot of home-cooked meals and uh, my dad is a really awesome cook and I figured that'd be pretty cool if we decided to do this together and, uh, you know, we were doing it every Friday Eventually, uh, I moved back in with them, and, you know, uh, we serve up homemade uh, spaghetti, like the family recipe, real, real good stuff. It's 10 out of 10. Uh, we also, uh, we've served uh, pork uh, uh, parmesan, so, uh, you know, it, it, and then we've also served, uh, uh, we've served uh, grilled pork chops, uh, like, 
my dad, he has this huge smoker, and he'll just go to town. He'll get a bunch of steaks, hot dogs, burgers, you know. Uh, we've served it all. Uh, we've made uh, homemade soup. Uh, we've, we've done a whole lot of uh, uh, cooking and a lot of homemade foods. And when I talk to the houseless folk, they tell me that it's the best out of anybody that's come out there. Uh, and, you know, I, 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 you know I, I hope that that is true. But I, I hear it from other folk. In fact, uh, one guy, he came up to me. Uh, he told me that uh, he was eight months sober. Uh, he just finally got a place where he could stay at. And he told me that, uh, dude, I've been bragging about your meatballs to everybody that I know. I've never had uh, those meatballs like that in my life, you know? Uh, I think it's pretty crazy, because last time I seen that guy was like four or five months ago, and he remembered how good that food was, you know? So it's pretty cool, it's pretty cool. I just want to add, I know we got questions, but I just want to add, this is so great because I think this is something that's missing with a lot of people who, who mean well, that they feel like the unhoused community can just take the leftovers and the scraps. And what you're doing is you're demonstrating that just because someone doesn't have a house, it doesn't mean that they're a lesser person. Yeah. And I think that's really important. And, and you know, people can tell too, a lot of them, uh, when they talk to me, like, uh, they expect a more, you know, professional, like, I'm professional, but, you know, they expect the uh, uh, biases of a lot of church groups and not the not the uh, talk about it too bad, but, you know, a lot of the help that's around here is mostly religion, and, uh, the drop, and there is no uh, uh, drop-in that isn't religious, you know, so it's... Uh, a lot of people, they feel alienated when they go there. The mission has gotten a lot better about not, uh, you know, not forcing them to go to a sermon before they can have a meal and all that. But still, they put a bunch of pre precautions on them. But when they come up to me and talk to me, you know, they're just normal people. Like, uh, they obviously need help. They need food, you know. A simple interaction goes, hey, how's it going, man? You want some food? I got this, this, that. You want some hats? You want... Uh, hand warmers, toe warmers, you know, you, and you make jokes, you lighten it up a lot. It makes, uh, it makes people's days a lot. I have a few people that just come there every Friday because of who I am, you know, so it's really cool. It's really cool to feel like that, feel validated. Like, all right. <laughs> that's it for me. <laughs> so, uh, Mutual aid is what you call your work, mm -hmm. not charity or outreach. Yep. And it sounds like that your philosophy and how you do it is why you call it something different. You know, mm -hmm. can you um, define mutual aid? Uh, mutual aid. Do you want to introduce Zoe? Uh, the camera will get her or not. But. Yeah, uh, she's definitely in the shot. <laughs> uh, this is Zoe. This is my golden retriever. Had her for about seven years. She's an awesome dog, and she's even come out to me on a few occasions to help feed the unhoused. They all love her. She's quite a good dog. I can leave her unleashed uh, without any issues. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, you mentioned that it isn't uh, charity. Mutual aid is supposed to be, uh, as a group, you're supposed to be helping one another folk, uh, one another groups or uh, causes or people, and then oftentimes they can help you help you out too. It's like you're sharing resources, and it doesn't come with uh, any of the 
you know, upper cost of charity, because you know a lot of times charity has a lot of uh, <laughs> a lot of benefactors up top that take a lot of the money, and the rest of it hardly ever goes out to people. The whole point of mutual aid is supposed to be all the resources get to uh, to the people that need it, and uh, we can all resource pull. Uh, right now, I work with uh, Kalamazoo Together volunteers, and they do uh, they facilitate a meal train uh, every day, and basically different groups will sign up to serve on each day. Uh, I've pretty much got in for every Friday, but you know there's the ACS group who serve on Sundays, and uh, there's there's a bunch of folks that serve throughout the week that don't really have a group, but uh, it, it's. It's really cool to have that uh, pull, and whenever they need some help with some volunteers, I have, I think, a, my mutual aid group, I think I have about 15 uh, members in that I can uh, try to pull from and see if they would like to volunteer, or if I need some supplies, because not, not everybody can be out there to serve, you know, we all got busy lives, but oftentimes I ask for any items that are in need, a lot of times they are able to provide, so. It's, it's pretty cool. Uh, I, I prefer it much better than charity. And I feel like we need some more mutual aid groups here in Kalamazoo. And you used an example of one homeless encampment saying that it housed, well, I mean, that 200 people were staying there. Uh-huh. It could have been more. And uh, at the start, it was at Ampersy. It was uh, right before you hit the roundabout there. And uh, it it's... And it was a huge area, had, uh, I say over 200 people, but it could have been more or less. And like the encampments had, uh, you know, they were pretty intricate. A lot of them were able to get scrap plywood and other things to build like little huts for themselves. A lot of, so there was a couple of RVs in there, a couple of uh, campers. Uh, a lot of these people were really settled in there. And that encampment went out, uh, went on for about uh, five or six months before uh, they decided to clear it out. And, you know, they only really gave them five minutes to get them all out. Uh, the they were originally going to get them a, a week before uh, the they actually did it. But with a bunch of protesters out there, we were able to hold them off. But uh, within a week, there was some... Uh, private meeting that the gov or that the city had that decided that they wanted them out of there, and they basically gave them five minutes at nine o'clock in the morning, and they took like three bulldozers out there, you know, ran all their stuff out. I had one lady that was crying to me, uh, you know, she was in her tent trying to get all of her things out while a, a bulldozer is coming at her and lifting up the tent. Uh, you know, trying to break it down. It, it's 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 pretty traumatic stuff to experience. You know, especially like a lot of these. A lot of people want to say they don't work, and you know, this lady was talking to me that she had like two or three more weeks. You know, and she could finally get a place to go and have you know have something for herself after working this long and saving up some money, and not because of that she basically had uh, to restart, find a new spot. You know, and uh, I haven't seen her since. You know, so she could have gotten a place, she could have not, but it, it's it's pretty crazy how many folks that we have. 
and when they tore them all out of there, like they pretty much scattered about and uh, any encampment that has more than five or six tents, uh, if they get called up, they basically force them to sweep and get out of there. It, it, it's pretty rude, uh, you know. And when I served in that encampment, uh, uh, people talk about uh, the drug problems that go on within the houseless community, but they don't really want to touch why that it happens, you know. And when I was serving there, there would be a black Escalade that would pop on by and go around to tent to tent. I mean, this is a big wide open area and it had, uh, you know, a little dirt trails that they would go into. But they would go to each and every tent and then eventually make their way out. And what they were doing is that they were selling uh, mess, heroin, or anything, uh, anything that these people are addicted to. And uh, they would squeeze any little bit of money out of them that they either earned from uh, get or from panhandling, or you know, as a or different terms for it, or working through different ways. Like any way that you get your money, you know, they'd prey on you and take it. And I know a few medical professionals that were volunteering their time there and be out there at night. Uh, they try to help a couple folks get off it, and dealers would you know threaten them you know, whip out weapons on them, you know, threaten, hey, you keep, you keep trying to take away our, you know, our, our money, you know, you're not going to make it. So it's really, it's really shady. And not to mention, too, like during the winter months, uh, if you go to sleep outside, you're going to die of hyperthermia. Mm -hmm. And Somebody what just recently did. Uh, and what does mess do? It speeds up your heart rate and it keeps you up for a long time for about 12 hours. Uh, and it's a real thing that people do just to make it through the night. And if it's during the day, a lot of people don't have much going on when you're living out. Uh, so it's a real easy thing to do. And if you're out, if you don't have a place to go and you're living life like a fugitive, like it, it doesn't surprise me that drugs are on the table. And it's often traded too, you know? It, it's a very ample thing whether you, you know, we all have needs that somebody wants, you know. They just use a barter system and trade, and it often is used as currency for a lot of folks that are unhoused. I know guys that don't even do it, and, and but they just trade it away to people to get other stuff. So, yeah. yeah. I think it's a good point to bring in a little context because of what you're talking about. What's happening uh, out there, if we look at, I mean, being unhoused in, in the U.S. has been an increasingly serious problem since the early 80s, when mental health facilities were closed down, yeah. when a lot of people were cut off of VA benefits. Mm -hmm. A lot of the unhoused are people who are veterans. Yeah. Uh, and those, those mental health and other support services no longer exist. People who have those problems don't fit well into the conventional society, and they end up on the street. Mm -hmm. And then once you end up on the street, how are you gonna, you're gonna show up for a job interview when you haven't been able to take a shower for weeks, mm -hmm. when you have clothes that you've been sleeping in because you only own three pairs of clothes? It's a, it's a cycle that people cannot get out of even if they want. Mm -hmm. People need help. 
You know, these are these are people, and un unless we support people in these situations, there, there there's no no path out. And you know, you mentioned about the pass. A lot of these folks uh, have to get. Uh, uh, um, it's not social worker. It's a. Uh, I know it's a different term for it. I'm blanking. Like but a caseworker. 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 Yep. And they have to use a caseworker to get bus tokens, to get uh, any food stamps, or you know, get bridge cards and. Uh, basically uh, fight your legal cases, because that's another thing is too, a lot of times they get charged for loitering or they get charged for all sorts of things and that they can't pay for or they get end up thrown in jail. Or, and then they'll stick a court date on them. Well, when you're houseless, how are you gonna keep track of dates, times, you know? It, it's, it's pretty difficult and they basically stack it against you. Uh, you know, there are a lot of good caseworkers, but sometimes these caseworkers have like 20 to 30 people that they're all trying to work and help towards. Mm -hmm. And uh, they used to be able to give out unlimited uh, bus tokens and they were limiting that too, you know. It, it's, it's pretty crazy that, you know, that the only avenue these people get is still quite limited, and you have like uh, basically it relies all on the caseworker to get you where you gotta go, and you just gotta survive until uh, the, whatever bureaucracy is able to help you out. You know, uh, there was there's a place called Lodge that started up uh, on Nightsend off Westnage, and you know it's it's such a it's a low income housing center that a lot of uh, houseless folk that I used to serve at the Ampersy camp that held a lot of people, uh, they were able to get in uh, relatively quickly through their applications and stuff. And it, it's, I, I served a Christmas dinner out there. These people are so happy, uh, cleaned up, you know. It's a totally different atmosphere. Uh, you know, they could still be doing, uh, you know, other drugs and stuff like that, but it, it's about treating people like human beings and giving them the bare minimum necessities. And when that the lodge is a great thing, but it's like the one good thing out of all the other apartments and all these other housing units being built here in Kalamazoo. They're all high income, like $2,500 apartments. It, it's pretty crazy to me that we have this big of an issue, yet we keep building more and more housing uh, that's not meant f for anybody that needs it, you know? Uh, well, the city's been waging a war on the unhoused population for years. Mm -hmm. uh, I, like many people, only became aware of it five or six years ago. You know, five or six years ago, the at that time, City Commissioner Sykes, Shannon Sykes, she really forced the residents of Kalamazoo to to become aware. When the, un the unhoused people in a demonstration had basically occupied Bronson Park and wouldn't leave. And then when the city voted, the city commission voted to uh, force them out or arrest them, she got up from the commission meeting, walked right across the street and set up a tent and started sleeping with them uh, to force the issue. And I think that's really what put it on the radar in Kalamazoo. But then think about what's happened since then. We had right. the polar vortex, yeah. where the city did nothing 
nothing until some of the churches organized. The city would have let every unhoused person freeze to death. That was, that was what was going to happen. So some churches stepped up, and then the city said, oh, well, we got to do something, too. Uh, and then the whole pods thing. Yeah. Yeah, that was, I was looking it up. There's about two years ago, the city was taking so much heat about not doing anything for the unhoused that they ordered these pods. And then they just kind of let it go and pretended that, hoped that people would forget about it. Um, made some excuses, you know. And now they are arriving. And have you seen where they're going to be put? Um, I think so, but say it. On the Allied Paper Superfund site, which is, I can't quite tell if, they're, if it's complete. Well, the EPA is not completely cleaning it up. They have said that. They're compiling everything into one landfill and capping it. So the, the Superfund toxic material is not leaving that site. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's still there. And that site today is owned by the Kalamazoo Brownfield Redevelopment Authority, which means it's a brownfield, which means it's still toxic. And that's where they're going to put these pots. That is a very clear message as to what the city thinks of, the, of people who are not, if you're not paying taxes, if you don't own a home, then you don't matter in the city. Mm-hmm. You, you, uh, they treat you as a criminal because you do not have a place to live. And, you know, they, and you talk about, too, like they pick a spot that has uh, toxic chemicals in it that has, has a brown feel, a brown feel. Like it doesn't, it, it really uh, shows a lack of respect mm -hmm. for, any, for any of these people. Uh, and, you know, the pods, uh, they've been, they've been trying to find a spot for them over these last two years, you know, and they keep, uh, e either they keep falling through or they can't find a buyer or they can't, uh, you know, something always happens to where they can't do it. And even, even now that they found that site, there's still like a six months uh, waiting period that they have to do a check, you know, check it all out and make sure it's all set to go. Mm -hmm. So even if they, even, uh, even if they do uh, end up putting the pods there or, you know, or they could go five months in, they could be like, well, we don't think it's fit to put these pods in, so we'll just keep pushing it, you know? Uh, it, it's really sad because we have like 50 or 100 of them. I think it's 50. 50, and like that could be 50 people that could have a place to live, so a safe I, I, that's place, where you get the hundred. I think there's 50 of them and each of them has two beds. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. So it, it, <laughs> it, it seems like they just don't want to do the actual solution to it. And uh, I often uh, see a lot of blame on, uh, you know, there's a lot of litter in this county and, you know, just in America in general. But uh, a lot of the litter around here often gets blamed on the houseless folk. You know, they blame the encampments, you know, ah, they just don't care. They just leave all their trash around. Well, you know, when there is no trash bins in any public area <laughs> and you expect these houseless folk to walk a quarter mile to a mile just to go throw some trash away, you know, you're not, it's not going to be a uh, reliable outcome to, <laughs> it, it, it just, it seems like uh, they they much rather just blame them and then kick them all out, you know, force them out of the city, and 
and still not even fix a, a trash problem. You know, they could have trash crews out here in Kalamazoo. They could they could hire them out. Like the city has enough money to be able to do it. You know, uh, they they shouldn't have to uh, uh, clear them out and use that as an excuse. I think I seen a Serve Pro uh, truck. I forget where exactly it was. I thought it was on Sprinkle, but I could be wrong. Uh, but there was just a Serve Pro truck out there with this big uh, pile of stuff. And, you know, they called it all trash, but apparently that was from an encampment that was just in the woods a little bit, and they decided somebody called it up, and they went out there and, you know, tore it all apart and left the pile out there and didn't do nothing about it for a few days, you know? It, it's... It, <laughs> it doesn't make any sense because, you know, all that stuff is going to be thrown out, but some of that stuff could have been reused. Some of it could have been... Uh, it, it, they just want to exclaim anything that uh, has anything to do with how unhoused folks as trash or disgusting or, you know, you don't even want to be involved with it, you know? Yeah, it was... Before the hotop encampment got cleared, uh, I was out there doing a cleanup with a couple people, a trash cleanup. And you're right, there, there's a lot of trash, and it is true that a lot of that trash is coming from the unhoused. But you're also right that that's not... It, it's a much more complex r reality. Well, when we were doing that cleanup, there was a dumpster. Yeah. But that dumpster was completely mounded over and all you could almost the dumpster was almost invisible because it was a mountain of trash so the unhoused people were trying to be responsible trying to use the dumpster but because the city wouldn't get clean it and get it out of there every piece of trash they put on the dumpster just blew away and ended up somewhere else so yes it came from the unhoused but what else are they going to do mm -hmm. yeah. I'm sorry, Dee, we stole your conversation. No, <laughs> we, no, we, we, we you went, absolutely didn't. We went way didn't. far out there. You, uh, <laughs> actually, again, I want to ring my little bell and be like, people are blaming individuals for a systemic yeah. problem, right? And there's a systemic solution and an, over and over again. Um, and I see, you know, we didn't even talk about that the other day on the phone, um, but you did say that about the pods, you know, and where they're putting them, but you did talk about how they are dealing with pollution by yeah. living out in the environment. They've got polluted rivers, polluted air, and that's uh, impacting their health when they're already at risk. Um, so and I didn't know. soil too. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, you, 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 uh, you know, we talk about polluted air and, you know, graphic packaging, you know, just pumps and pumps all these chemicals into the air. And, like, I, 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 I'm not sure about the stat. I, it probably needs to be fact-checked, but it's like it, we, and if you just live in Kalamazoo County on your own, you are, like, way more likely to get cancer. I thought it was, like, three times more likely. You know, it's some crazy number. Like, and you look at the rest of the counties, the amount of cancer uh, patients or, uh, you know, cases, it's way less compared to Kalamazoo. I know we have a lot of people living here, but I feel like there's a bit of a distortion. 
And not to mention, you talk about the oil spill that well, that wasn't even like 10 years ago, was it? You know, it was right about 10 years ago. Uh, you know, that oil spill that went through all the Kalamazoo River, and a lot of the encampments now are right by the river or underneath some bridges. And it's uh, you're if you're right there, all of those chemicals are still there. You're and if you're outside all the time, you're breathing in all those chemicals. So it's they really. And, and then you bring up the dirt, now that you're on toxic dirt, they really hit you with any, anywhere you go outside, you're pretty much hit. And, uh, you know, we talked about trash too, but also the city just, uh, did a new, uh, like they updated their laws to where uh, they no longer made uh, public urination and defecation a uh, uh, saying where they could throw you in jail for. It's, it's not a... Uh, uh, it's uh, not a crime. crime. It's, a, it's, it's just a civil infraction. Yeah, civil infraction. So now they are so just. So you still allowed. have to pay a fee, right? Yeah. Yep. Yep. Oh, yeah, of course. So if you don't pay the fine, you can get thrown in jail. Yeah, they, uh, the criticisms, you know, people were just like, yeah, you know, you just want these people to piss and shit out there. You making it legal for them. I'm sorry for cussing, but <laughs> oh, it's. No. it's it, it, it's it's pretty it, it's pretty <laughs> raw, you know? Like, this is the attitude that you have. Like, uh, it's like they almost didn't read it, don't even bother. They just go with whatever media narrative, and they're just like, yeah, they're making it legal for them to piss and crap everywhere. It's so wrong. And not to mention, they have one public bathroom downtown, and that's by the Radisson, like the most, uh, mm -hmm. you know, the most uppity place there is downtown. And you have, and every time you walk in there, like they have like a specialty lock on it, and then there's a light uh, going up, and when you're in there, and uh, like they have so many specifications for you to even use it, and also the city uh, plaza, uh, there's a few businesses that are uh, collaborating trying to keep the homeless away from the the city mall. You know, uh, I believe. Uh, the Radiant Church is one of the, one of the people that are involved in it, mm -hmm. uh, and it it really is sickening because it feels like they're trying to make Kalamazoo a gated community, you know, because they're adding all these rich apartments, you know, they're adding uh, more and more of uh, these side bit or uh, these richer businesses, richer uh, like in fact uh, one of the spots that was going to be for a housing complex, a low-income housing, uh, instead of it being sold to the city for that reason, it got sold to a country club for a golf course for the same price, you know? Uh, so I got to interrupt here because that's the same golf course where last year the city authorized the golf course to spend a million dollars on new golf carts. It was not, it was like 995000 or something. It wasn't exactly a million, but yeah, they bought, spent a, that golf course that is expanding onto territory that was uh, being proposed for homeless encampment is the same one that they just spent a million dollars for golf carts. So that's not a private business. That's no, a it is a city-owned city golf course. The city's excuse for the million dollars was, well, the golf course operates independently the, uh, and so that's the golf course's own money, which is baloney because if it's a city entity, the city approves whether or not it can do that. It's just simple bureaucratic uh, safety net to say, oh, well, that's a different division. We can't touch that. 
So, yeah, it's, it's disgusting. It is. Mm. You know, uh, one of the volunteers that was a uh, medical uh, volunteer there, you know, he talked about uh, he was one of the stories that tried to help uh, people get off uh, their addictions and, you know, dealers got uh, real threatening with some. He also told me, uh, you know, he was in the reserves and uh, one of his tasks while he was stationed up here in 2020, uh, when uh, George Floyd was murdered by police, you know, uh, there was a lot of protests, a lot of Black Lives Matter protests. And in Grand Rapids, uh, they decided that they wanted to move all the homeless out for their safety. So what they did was take uh, buses full of houseless folk, take them from Grand Rapids, and give them to a homeless-friendly county that is Kalamazoo. And apparently that a lot of cities do this all over the country, you know, and if when they don't want to deal with the issue, they'll just find an excuse to drop them off somewhere else. And when I talk to a lot of houseless folk, I, a lot of them end up telling me that they're not even from around Kalamazoo. Like, you know, they're from Allegan, they're from uh, Benton Harbor. I've gotten people from Battle Creek. I've gotten people from out of state. I've gotten people from Idaho, you know, that, that don't really know how they ended up here, you know. Uh, it, it's, people come from all over the place, and just because we got, uh, we are named a homeless-friendly county, uh, and really the only reason why we got that, uh, you touched upon it back in the 80s, a lot of these mental institutions were torn down and basically got all their funding ripped apart. So a lot of the people that were in there were thrown to the streets. And, uh, you know, Kalamazoo got known for having a high homeless population or high houseless population because of it. And we've gotten that branding. And so now that we have it, all of a sudden, you know, uh, all these cities are just like, well, they, they know what they're doing out here. You know, they, they have all these programs. They have uh, all these programs, you know. We don't. Uh, we don't. But it's just a it's just a label that they put on us so they can dump them there, dump them here, and forget they even have a problem. You know, uh, when I went out to Grand Rapids last year, you know, and I was going all around. I think there was Art Hop at the time, mm -hmm. and uh, I hardly seen any houseless folk or the few that I seen. You know, it, they either they push them all out of the city where you can't see them, or uh, they basically. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I guess that's the same thing, kicking them all out. But, you know, when he brought up that story to me, like, I was almost incredulous. Like, how can that even, how can that even be possible, you know? Uh, but when you talk, when you talk to these houseless folks, you, uh, it's just the same pattern over and over again where a lot of them aren't even from this county, you know? They just get dropped off here, end up here uh, on none of their own choices, on none of their own volition. In one of the strategies, talking about um, the idea that Kalamazoo is friendly to the unhoused is, is absurd. It is absurd. Um, and one of the strategies that you can spot, and I, I noticed this because I was, you know, I sit on the city's environmental concerns committee, and I was in another meeting with some city officials, and they were talking about some trees that they were cutting down. There wasn't really an explanation, but before the meeting started, some of the city officials uh, 
talking amongst themselves, were saying they were that that's someplace where the homeless were hiding. Is the way that they put it. And it was shortly after that I was reading an article about a town in New Jersey that that is what that town did intentionally is they cut all the trees down wherever unhoused were staying to get rid of the shade and the yeah. cover from the weather. Uh, and so I started paying attention and I've noticed now that anywhere where there's an unhoused, unhoused uh, community that starts to pop up, the city comes along and cuts all the trees down. And it's, it's happening incredibly intentionally. You, you, if you were to go to a lot of these, because uh, a lot of times they have to hide in plain sight. And so in uh, some urban parts of the city or, you know, on the outskirts, there's a few woods here and there. You know, it's just a little bit of foliage, but they'll, they'll sit there. And you can't see them unless you were to go inside and look through. And once they get caught, you know, they'll sweep them out. And like David says, all of a sudden, all those branches, all the foliage that was there, you know, there's a lot less of it, and you could see right through where that used to be, you know. It, so you're killing the wildlife. You're killing <laughs> just the, yeah, you, all, all these, all these uh, things to solve the symptom, you know. All these things mm -hmm. to hide it, you know. Just, but not to actually fix it, you know. It, it, it's mind-boggling. But it's just inhumane as well. I mean, people who are already suffering that much and they find a place where they have a little bit of shelter provided and then you come along and remove it. Yeah, because even if, even those small areas, even your tent, you leave your tent, anybody can come on by and take your stuff, you know? As, and house, when you're houseless, it's survive. And a lot of other houseless folk survive by taking from others, you know? And it's just how it is. When you're down there at, at the low, you leave your tent, you're technically not, your stuff's not even safe there. You could come on back to a ripped tent, uh, all your stuff being uh, broken into, all of it taken out, taken away, all, all throughout. Uh, I, I've had a few people tell that to me after uh, I've given them like a tent or something and somebody's seen them. You know, I'll see them next week and they tell me, yeah, you know, I got out there, I set it all up, but when I left, I came on back, it was torn apart, teared up, and uh, people took a lot of stuff out of it. So it's like you're, so you're not even, you're not even safe when you have it, but it's just a home base, you know, and you can't even, you can't even have a home base, you can't even have that, you know. Mm -hmm. Thinking about how easy it is for them to lose what little security they've built up, what little progress they've built up, and thinking about um, the busing situation and how that takes away whatever social safety net they've created for themselves, whatever mm -hmm. way that they've learned to survive, moving someone to a different community is not just moving them to a different community, it's separating them from whatever they've done to be able to survive, you know. Mm -hmm. And from their caseworker, if they have one. Absolutely. Yeah. From any, yeah, from any, any resources any, they've found. Any family, you know, a lot of these folks uh, have lost touch with their family or, you know, there's, there's another issue too with uh, a lot of houseless folks uh, being part of the gay community, you know. A lot of them have parents that did not accept them, you know, forced them out at a real young age, 
you know. So it's another, there's another discriminatory part to it too. And that's why a lot of the, you know, as there's a lot of real progressive churches around here, you know, I can't, I can't be, you know, talking too much, but like, uh, there, there's a lot of that uh, stigma still, yeah, because not just your houseless, but now that you're LGBT or you know anything that's out of the norm to them, you know, you're you're just getting hit with a double whammy almost. And uh, people talk to me all the time about having to start over every couple weeks. You know, I can't even imagine that. You know, like what. Well, all the stuff that you have, uh, you're just gone, and all you got left is whatever's in your backpack, and mm. you just got to move on. People tell me that's what they got to do just to survive, but I, I, if I was in that situation, I couldn't do it. I couldn't lose any of my stuff and just start over like that, you know? It'd be real demoralizing. How can people help out? You know, if somebody wants to donate money, donate time, donate food, how can they uh, help? And if it's something that we can put the information in the show notes as well, but so you want to tell um, there, There's a few, uh, few different things. You know, I, uh, you know, I say do not donate to, uh, uh, you know, Salvation Army, they do have a warming center that does do uh, good work, but they only have it, I think, over the weekend from like uh, 10 to 4. So they do good work, but I say if you're donating clothes or anything like that, uh, I would make sure that you donate it to uh, like uh, proper. <laughs> there, there's a few organizations that I'm blanking right now at the top of my mind, but there, there's a few of them that are local that actually go into the hands of houseless folk uh, here in the area. You know, our mutual aid group uh, does a lot of it, and I accept donations from a lot of people. You know, but uh, there's a Facebook group called Kalamazoo Together Volunteers, and they they facilitate a lot of it, and they take donations. In fact, they're trying to build a uh, Judy Lowry. She runs it. Uh, she's trying to build a actual, or not build it, but get a bus here uh, called the Hope Coach, and it's supposed to have at least uh, 20 beds. Uh, so we can go around town for a night and pick people up and have people sleep in a bus. And since it's not uh, the city's property, it's not anybody's private property, it's ours, like the city can't do nothing about it. But, you know, if you would like to donate your time to a organization, you know, because not everybody is going to have the same uh, political affiliations as me, you know. I believe socialism is pretty cool, and democratic socialism, I think, is the way that we should be going. But, like, it's about serving houseless folks. It's about serving people in need, and not all these other things that, you know, not any of these other agendas, you know. Uh, I also believe, too, like, uh, some goals that, uh, that I would like to do uh, is to have some sort of uh, city busing that's free, 24 hours, you know, I would like to have some push on these. Because, you know, I, when I talk to these houseless folk and they talk about how hard it is to get bus tokens, like, you know, you know why can't, uh, why do they need, need bus tokens? Why can't we just have a 24-hour busing system here in Kalamazoo? Like, I, I feel like that is something that we desperately need. And as a, it should be a goal. If we are not going to address the housing issue directly, 
you know, then we have to limit the symptoms as is and, you know, limit the amount of harm that there is. Uh, uh, so there's, there's a few sayings. And also, like, uh, going up to houseless folk, you know, sometimes they can be pretty on edge. They don't know how, you're, how you are or what you're going to say to them and all that. But if you're kind, uh, be understanding, and you have uh, something to give, uh, yeah, uh, whether it's money, food, clothes, you know, if you know certain spots where they're at, they're, they are pretty welcoming. And uh, if, you feel, if you don't feel comfortable doing it on your own, uh, like I said, Kalamazoo Together Volunteers, there are like 50 uh, volunteers that are, uh, that are pretty active and are willing to go out there and you know, be, be an intermediary or you know, if you just wanna, if you're not really that comfortable, they are willing to help you out. But, and uh, Kalamazoo Together Volunteers also does that meal train every day. Uh, they do dinners at their river church from 3 p.m. to 4 p.m. You know, I can't do the 3 p.m. to 4 p.m. times. It's just a little bit too early for me. But, uh, you know, if, if you're able to volunteer during that time space, there, there's like at least 15 to 20 to more houseless folk that go in that area that need to be fed. And, you know, uh, just being out there and having needs and being warming, kind, uh, and understanding, you know. Uh, I, I know it's not super, uh, I guess that isn't super specific, uh, to how we can solve the issues, but I think as a community, if we were all to get together on some of these ideas and get together on collaborating and trying to lift these unhoused folks, I feel like the city would have no option, you know, instead to listen to us, the community. Because in my opinion, these houseless folks are the community. They are a part of us. They are a part of the city of Kalamazoo, you know? They shouldn't be treated no differently. Like, we are all, uh, we're all citizens here, you know, and we should all want to be a part of the community and want to build it up. I mean, they, they got all this money from uh, private donors, you know, $400 million, you know. Uh, and don't get me wrong, they're doing some good saints here and there, but it's just not enough. And all the good saints always end up having, uh, you know, strings attached. You know, there's money, people getting a lot more money than they should. So I... Uh, I just think that the community really has to come together, uh, work things out, and you know, lift lift up these houseless folk. Because uh, it seems like the government, like we wanna, we want systemic change. But the only way that we're gonna get the systemic change is if us as a community come together and force them to do it. You know, mm -hmm. and it's just a lot harder to get people together because you know, in this in this capitalist uh, world. We all have to work, we all have to make money, and by the end of the day, by the end of the week, you know, it's very hard to go out there and try to do anything, you know? And it can feel very demoralizing to, you know, see all these issues not get done, taken care of. But when I'm out there once a week, I'm just one guy, you know? I, sometimes I have like three or four people with me, other times I have none, you know? Uh, but I'm just, we're just a few small individuals Yet, when people talk to me, they say that, you know, if you weren't out here, I probably wouldn't have a, a warm place to sleep. Uh, one, one lady, uh, uh, last year, it was super cold out, and 
uh, I was saving this uh, sleeping bag, a flea sleeping bag for one person, uh, but it's been a few weeks since I've seen them. And this lady, you know, she was crying to me. She didn't have nothing. And uh, I, luckily I had that with me and I gave to her. And I seen her about a few months later. Uh, her name is Sherry. Uh, she she uh, she likes uh, she's 60 years old and she's got like some muscles. She likes to show them off. It's pretty funny. Uh, but uh, she she came up to me and gave me a big hug uh, a couple months later and she said, "If you didn't give me that blanket or that uh, sleeping bag, I'm not sure if I'd be even here." You know. So just the, those small interactions, very very small interactions, can make a big difference in people. You know. It could be a difference between them living or dying, you know, or being fed, being warm. Uh, you know, just having something in people's stomach. Uh, I often like to give these hearty meals for people to, you know, digest slowly and then also have some sweets or some carbs for a short-term uh, burst just to get people where they need to go, you know. Uh, yeah. I appreciate that, you know, you're talking not just about the ways that people can give their time and their money, but the ways that we can all adjust our attitudes mm -hmm. and the way that we look at the world. Mm -hmm. um, because I think that, you know, everything that you said is true. And in order to get to that place, like with Earth Day, where we're mm -hmm. going to force the politicians to see what um, what the people need and care about and want to see changed, um, then we have to make sure that internally that we're making those changes and those mm -hmm. adjustments too. And I think that a lot of people, you know, it, yeah. it gets ignored so much. The houseless get ignored and pushed away and covered up and um, we need to face that. Uh, and, you know, you, you mentioned it, too. It's about changing the attitude within yourself. Because, like, there, even uh, even people that have a lot of the best intentions in the world, uh, you know, they just have uh, certain biases already that it's just hard to ignore, mm -hmm. you know. So it, it's uh, much more go into it with an open mind. And, you know, not every interaction will be the same. Uh, you know, and... It, a lot, a lot of times, too, when you're going up to these people, they don't know if you're going to, like, yell at them, harass them, or anything, because they get that on a daily basis. Uh, one, of the, uh, one of the houseless folks that come on by, he's now a regular. His name is Derek, and uh, he popped into Menards, actually, one time where I was working, and... Uh, I, I simply uh, asked him, like, hey, man, what are you doing out here? You know, and he looks over all scared and shit, and then he sees me. And, oh. uh, and he's just like, oh, I'm so glad it was you. And I, I'm like, what do you mean, man? You know, like, I'm just messing with you. He's just like, yeah, well, I had another guy just harass me not, uh, just an hour ago, you know, calling me a stupid Polak or whatever. Like, it, it seems... Like, when you are just a houseless individual, just being out there, the attitude towards you is so uh, shameful. Uh, another guy, his name is Mike, who's, uh, he was in prison for about 20 years, uh, came out of it, uh, and he now wanders a lot of uh, Gull Road up and down. Uh, but he, he's another guy that, uh, when he's up at the guard shack with me, you know, I talk to guests all the time coming on through. And he, he'll like to play jokes like, 
hey man, that's a nice truck. Uh, you wanna you wanna let me borrow it? Some of these some of these people get so upset. Like, oh, how could you? Why are you even asking that? What? How dare you? You know, like they act like it's uh, you know he's being real serious with them. You know, it's not, don't get me wrong. Sometimes he can play the sarcasm up a little bit, but he it, it's all jokes. And he and sometimes all he does is just say hi to people, and they just you know keep walking, don't look at him, or just keep driving through, pretend like he's not even there. Uh, it, it's really about changing the attitude. Make these people feel seen. Like even uh, when they're on the side of the street, or you know, even when they're walking past you, it's just saying hi. You know, it's something that that doesn't happen a lot for them. In fact, a lot of people are too scared to even interact with them. So when it does happen, it I've had people tell me that just by having a simple interaction, like hi or a small conversation. It really brightens up their day because they just don't get it super often, you know. So hopefully, people will see this or hear this and be inspired to change the way that they interact with someone who's unhoused, or you know, think about you know when something like we just had this ice storm yeah. and people lost power for. Uh, for a couple, I lost power for like two days. I, I lost, lost it for four. Yeah, and I lost cable. Yeah. Actually, cable just came back on today. You know, uh, this isn't going to be aired you know, right away, but so you know, power was out for a couple right. days. The, the cable was out for about a week. But think about how difficult that makes your everyday life. And then, so instead of thinking about how inconvenienced you are, think about people who don't have any power at all, ever. Yeah, and if they want to plug in their cell phone, they have to find a unguarded plug, you know, where they can they can get it plugged in for an hour or so mm -hmm. without getting yelled at. Yeah, you know, or you know, they're trying to find some food to eat. You know, how how do you get food? So just think. I, I hope we can, because you talked about you personalized people. Yeah. You know, yeah. So the, there's we got Derek, we got Mike, we got you know these other people. Like these are human beings, and think they need food, they need water, they need shelter, you know, and they need love. Mm -hmm. I mean, even if it's it's just recognition. So I, I hope we can help people to see that you know they should help if they can, mm -hmm. but at least they should just think about people who are unhoused as people. Mm -hmm. uh, that that's you know you mentioned it. Love is a big thing, and love is not something that is shown super often, especially in the society where we you know say that it's very weak to show that type of vulnerability. You know, and when you're able to show it to some of the people that have never seen it or haven't seen it in a long time, it makes it makes a huge huge difference. And you know you mentioned about personalizing it. Uh, you know, I mentioned a few names here and there. It's just because when you see them all the time, they get to know you by name. Uh, the, you, you start building these uh, camaraderie with some of the folks. Like, uh, you know, I mentioned before, it's a mutual aid group. So we, we help each other, the community members help each other. And I've had uh, houseless folk when uh, sometimes I'm there on my own, uh, they will come out, help unload my truck, you know, help clear off uh, some snow. I'll, uh, there have been times where, like, I'm out there and there's eight inches of snow, ten inches of snow, and I got a shovel and I'm shoveling out a spot for myself. Uh, I've had them help me out do that. Uh, it's, 
it's really cool when you can build that uh, type of camaraderie with people that don't usually do it. Uh, and that, that's love. Uh, and, you know, in case anybody would like to do, uh, would be like a part of what we do, you know, if uh, Southwest Michigan DSA, you know, uh, we have a website, you can join up there. And if you would like to be part of the mutual aid group, you know, you would simply come to one of our uh, general meetings and we'd get you involved. Or you can simply email uh, us and we'd help you out. If you just want to get involved in our group, uh, if you agree with the ideas and everything, you know, it, it that that's what that's uh, that's something. If you would like to be involved in us, mm -hmm. yeah, uh, and and I bring up the Kalamazoo Together volunteers. If you don't uh, agree with us politically, or I guess uh, you know you're just not super comfortable diving in with uh, our group, then you can be with a bunch of other volunteers that come from all sorts of backgrounds, but they're all really progressive, and you know they all have the heart in the right place, and they. They make such a huge impact. It's so crazy. I mean, there's a meal train almost every day for folks, and uh, you know, set up a meal to get people uh, food. So, if if you would like to be involved in helping out, I would suggest giving that group, uh, Kalamazoo Together Volunteers, a shot. And if you would like to be involved in what we do, the Democrat or Southwest Michigan Democratic Socialist of America, you know. We, we do a lot of good things, and we'd love to have uh, people uh, on board. Thank you so much for giving those, uh, both those specific resources for folks who are coming from different areas and different walks. And thank you so much, Ryan, for being here and for sharing this incredible, important information. Really appreciate it. And tying it to um, the environment, um, which there's very clear ties, very concerning ties um, and I think all of our listeners listen because they care about the environment and they should care about the unhoused people um, in their community so thank it, you. it all intersects you know a lot of our problems mm -hmm. they all you know, clash together and all cross paths thank you so much Ryan you're doing really good work um, and there's lots of places for people to get involved so mm -hmm. yeah this is a great cause we've Pretty much every single episode, we have great causes, but yeah, this is one for people who are incredibly vulnerable and really some of the most in need people in the community. So this is a great cause to get, get involved with.